welcome to the first episode of this podcast, and the first one of this season dedicated to women of history, since the accomplishments of women are oftentimes overshadowed by what men have accomplished, and at times, the contribution of women is diminished. Today's EP is about Elizabeth I, and goes to mention that I was in hyperfixating over her for the last few days. Well, starting by Elizabeth I, Queen of England, Ireland and France, the last Tudor, daughter of King Henry VIII, and let me tell you, I evidently go feral whenever anyone mentions Henry VIII. This guy, everything about him was messy. Like, imagine creating a new church just to spite the Roman Catholic Church, a church that you rule supreme, so you can only divorce your very Catholic wife. This guy went on and beheaded his other new wives because, well, they didn't give him a son when it's entirely his own problem. Honestly, it was a mess, and his doings go on to create issues for his daughters, who did reign after him. And before we dive into unravel the interests in life of the Queen Elizabeth I, maybe a brief context would be helpful. Before Elizabeth is crowned Queen of England, Henry VIII is King of England, a very controversial dude who divorces his wife Catherine of Aragon, a very loyal subject of the Roman Catholic Church, just like her parents are. Well, she's the daughter of Isabella, first of Castile, the warrior queen that united Spain with her marriage to Ferdinand of Aragon and drove the Moors and the heretics out of Spain for good. So, in conclusion, her upbringing is very, very Catholic, and Catherine of Aragon later on, on her marriage with Henry, gives... um, Death to Mary Tudor, who ends up being the Queen of England after Henry VIII. Another son that dies in weeks after his birth and a stillborn daughter. And we, well, because our dear Henry needs a son, he goes to divorce his wife. The Roman Catholic Church declines the request for his divorce. Well, it's typical Catholic Roman Church behavior. Because Catherine of Aragon obviously is a strong ally and Losing her would also mean losing a, an additional grasp it had on England. Henry just casually becomes the head of the church because he's sick of everyone forcing him around, goes hard with Protestantism and divorces Catherine and marries Anne Boleyn, mother of Elizabeth I, whom he goes afterwards to behead, accusing her of crimes she didn't commit. Well, to say the least, Henry VIII was an absolute menace. <laughs> he was an absolutely controversial dude, and ironically, even after all he did to um, have a son, the throne just went down to his two daughters. Alright, so when Mary I goes to reign, she faces a divided England. Mary I, a very loyal Catholic due to her mother's influence, goes to drive a very violent war against the English Protestants and is given the name of Bloody Mary, as she has burned almost 300 Protestants at the stake for heresy. She marries Philip II of Spain, a Spanish husband prince, and Sarah's rebellion. And on many occasions, um, Elizabeth, who was a princess, the first, uh, well, she's blamed for these rebellions, and is eventually imprisoned in the Tower of London for two months. I mean, typical sibling relationship in the 16th century, your older sister just imprisons you for funsies. And years later, on 1558, Mary dies with no children, obviously no heir. 
and Elizabeth is crowned Elizabeth I, Queen of England, Ireland and France in name only, just like her ancestors did claiming the throne of France. So during the first years of reign, Queen, first, Queen Elizabeth I inherited several issues from the reign of her, of her um, predecessor, Queen Mary I, including a, an, an unpopular uh, world friends and the religious divisions that Mary's campaign against Protestantism had left behind. Um, the threat posed by the former um, subsided by, with, um, subsided. So, the first years of reign. Queen Elizabeth I inherited several issues from the reign of her predecessor, Queen Mary I, including an unpopular war with France and the religious divisions that Mary's campaign against Protestantism had left behind. Um, the threat posed by the former uh, subsided with the 1516 outbreak of the War of Religion in France, and Elizabeth responded to the latter by returning England to Protestantism and having Parliament formalize certain aspects of the Church of England's doctrine. And well, that enraged the Roman Catholic Church again after they lost again their power to Protestantism for the second time and well, losing their ally, Mary I. So they went to back up the next ally they could find, which was Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots who in turn had a strong claim to the English throne as she is cousin to Elizabeth I and a Catholic and with a kingdom on the borders of, the Engl of England. Well, these two, um, Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots, go to be the greatest, most legendary rivals in recorded history, though they never met. In a war for power fueled by men using these two women as pawns, against each other just because well men and power is a very toxic mix among so many other other variables included in fact nothing well nothing much changed centuries after we're still comparing women and putting them against each other and i think that's sad well back to the story eventually um this rivalry between elizabeth I and mary queen of scots ends when well, Mary, Queen of Scots, seeks refuge in England and ends up being part of a conspiracy accused of high treason and executed on 8th February 1587. Um, an issue that also troubled her reign for its entirety was her lack of a husband and heir, a situation which she and other realized she and others realized could potentially ignite a successional crisis upon her death. Still, um, Elizabeth I never married, despite all the offers she got, and that's how we land on her interesting courtship stories. It is very known that Eli Queen Elizabeth I had a favourite, Dudley, Earl of Leicester, on one hand, on the other. France and Spain had their eyes on the Queen of England, because that would give them the, the access to the English throne later on. In January 1579, François, um, Duke of Anjou, sent an envoy, Mr. Signier, who arrived in London to woo Elizabeth by proxy, which is well, like a practice then. Elizabeth was so enchanted by his gallantries that her ministers talked darkly of love potions before um, committing herself. Elizabeth insisted on seeing François, who agreed to visit that summer. 
The young prince proved witty and charming, and Elizabeth enjoyed the heady delights of a whirlwind romance, declaring that she had never met anyone more agreeable to her. And I have to mention that um, Elizabeth I at the time was 46, while the young prince was a young man of 24. Well, the public feeling against the match had been very agitated in London by ministers as everyone deemed a marriage with a French foreigner would only end up in ruins. Um, there was also an incident where a man known as John Stamps had um, issued a pamphlet that just proves how much um, a marriage with a French prince would bring ruins to the Kingdom of England. And the, the offensive content of this um, pamphlet has enraged Elizabeth and she issued a proclamation against abuse of friendly foreign princes and accused Stubbs of seeking to stoke armed sedition. Well, contrary to the advice of two of her judges, but with the Lord Chief Justice on her side, uh, Elizabeth had Stubbs and the printer, along with the publisher, arrested and sentenced to lose their right hands. And she was only sorry there was no legislation permitting them to be executed. Um, the public reaction to Stubbs' punishment was not really favourable to the Queen. She asked her counsel, uh, her counsel to um, deliberate and give her final advice, assuming that they would be in favour. Favor, but, well, Elizabeth ministers, who once urged the Queen to marry, as they were on her neck all the time about marriage, did backtrack in that instance as she was too old to risk childbirth and he was too French and too Catholic <laughs> to be um, acceptable. The majority of the council were very against it, but like faced with Elizabeth breaking down in tears and protesting her desire to marry and bear a child, she, they just agreed to support her. So she pressed ahead with like, the negotiations and agreeing that François could practice his religion in private after their marriage, but stipulating that she needed time to talk her counsel around. Um, one of the chief objectors to the match was Leicester, which was her favorite at the time. So Simier decided to spike his guns by informing Elizabeth first that her apparently devoted courtier had secretly married her cousin the widowed Countess of Essex, latest noise. Bitterly hurt and humiliated, the, the Queen banished Lightstep from court and turned to Simier as François representative. With renewed vigour, she informed the Council in November that she had decided to marry and that, is, that its duty was to draw up a treaty. Simier departed, confident of having achieving, achieved his aims, with both Simier and François gone, um, Elizabeth reverted to her old game of encouragement without commitment. Girl boss moment. The matter limped along until 1581, when the alliance against seemed desirable. François returned to England, and Elizabeth seemed as infatuated as before. She publicly declared that she would marry him, although the terms she sent to France were so one-sided that there was no possibility of agreement. Nevertheless, he clung on, not agreeing to leave until Elizabeth lent him money for, Nether for his like, Netherlands campaign. 
She affected great sorrow with his departure, and the match was not finally scotched until François's um, death in 1584. And, well, eventually, Elizabeth remained very much not married, because why would she want to share her power with anyone? And, well, back to the trials she faced, perhaps one of her biggest trials, at least in the foreign policy realm, uh, was when Spain tried to invade England in 1588. Then ensuing like naval battle would go down as one of the most um, famous ones ever and ended with England defeat of the Spanish Armada, which had until then been supposed invincible. Elizabeth's reign would go to be known as the Old Golden Age. During her reign, she was able to successfully unite England from all the religious conflicts it went through. Under her reign, arts and literature thrived. Famous playwrights, poets and painters emerged. England um, prospered in the second half of Elizabeth's reign, and many of the great works of English literature were produ- produced during these years. Arts, poetry, drama, and learning in general flourished. Elizabeth's reign saw playwrights like Christopher Marlowe, poets like Edmund Spencer, and men of science. The era also saw the beginning of William Shakespeare's work. Many of the writers, thinkers, and artists of the day enjoyed the patronage of members of Elizabeth's court. And their works often involved or referred to the great queen. And indeed, she was the symbol of the day. Um, initially, um, with um, the wave of intellect and everything, and how uh, under her reign, um, playwrights and plays thrived, a certain amount of class conflict arose over the production of plays. As the middle class tried to shut down the London theatres on the basis of their immorality, thus there were several attempts to shut them. The Privy Council, citing Elizabeth's fondness for plays, prevented this measure from taking place, although they did allow the crowded um, theatres to be shut down in times of epidemics. Eventually, um, plays became more socially respectable, and by the 1570s and 1580s, they were even integrated into school curriculums, initiating the custom of school play. The Queen even watched some of these plays herself, um, in 1595, Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream was performed at Greenwich um, Palace um, during the marriage celebration of Burleigh's granddaughter. The play contained several references to Elizabeth and her court. Um, Elizabeth herself was known for being a very good dancer and a particularly talented musician, although she only played for her closest friends. She spent considerable time perfecting her renditions of several of the more difficult pieces of today. And by the end, after 45 years of reign, Elizabeth I dies on 24th of March, 1603, aged 69, leaving the throne to her successor, James I, son of Mary, Queen of Scots. Elizabeth I still goes down in history as one of the most influential sovereigns of England. Despite all the conflicts that rose during her reign, her council um, being on her neck to get married all the time for the entirety of her reign, the Roman Catholic Church threatening her reign and Europe's race to get more lands after the discovery of the Americas, 
The reasons surrounding her death, though, are still a mystery, as she never allowed an autopsy to be conducted on her body after her death. Yet, one of the most famous th- famous theories surrounding her death include blood poisoning to her um, lead-based makeup that was proven to be poisoned 31 years after her death. Another entertained theory was that her coronation ring that she never took off during her 45 years of reign just blended with her flesh and she died days later after her doctors advised her to remove it.